So, uh, Alicia Neubauer, uh, welcome to the journey. And uh, and just just real quick, I'm just going to explain for yourself as well as the audience is that the journey is about uh, transformation. It is about the story of um, when we have setbacks in our life, when we um, have transformed through those setbacks, how we may have had opportunities in our life that didn't look like opportunities at the time, mm-hmm. but somehow we may have failed forward because of those things. Life was going a certain way and then we got knocked sideways and so yeah uh, yeah and so uh, but so but before we jump into all that um if you could tell uh, tell me tell us a little bit about yourself and what do you do what do you do for fun when you have the opportunity um to have fun what 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 does alicia do i like to giggle okay snuggle. okay um right. and um so actually just this weekend i was hanging out with a bunch of girls okay um you know we're all in our 30s and 40s but we had a slumber party okay um so um just hanging out with girlfriends and just enjoying the moment okay enjoying every moment that's Mm -hmm. what i do for fun um i really really enjoy meeting new people i enjoy going places and um and being social i enjoy meeting new people i enjoy finding new connections okay um and seeing how yeah, and just seeing how they are connected. Okay. I've lived in Rockford my entire life, except okay. for college. I went to Washington University in St. Louis oh. um, and came back. Um, I was able to slide into a job immediately. Um, what did you study at Washington? I, um, I have a major in architecture and, a, yeah, and, a, and a, a minor in Italian language. Really? And I studied abroad in Italy the summer after my freshman year. Okay. Um, my I, uh, my parents did not have a lot of money, okay. um, so I won a scholarship to go to WashU or earned a scholarship rather, and because I was on scholarship, I was able to have reduced tuition to travel abroad. And then I think there was another fifteen hundred dollars that I had to come up with, and my mom was like, "Good luck," mm-hmm. and I did, you yeah. know. And I I think that was the thing. I would I would be presented challenges, yeah. and somehow I'd make it through. So okay. I was able to contact the Italian-American Society um, here in Rockford. They helped me to pay for a plane ticket to Italy. And then um, the Italian-American Society of St. Louis, they were so ecstatic that a, um, my my heritage is Sicilian. Okay. We can trace it um, as far back as like the 1400s. I have two cousins on both sides of the family, um, each side of the family that have traced back our ancestry. So very, very poor farmers in Sicily and mining towns and whatnot. Um, but they were so ecstatic that, that, that a native daughter was going back to study, they gave me both scholarships. Oh, okay. So um, I actually had like an extra $250 to spend. Okay. You know, and so I was able to do it. Sure. I, you know, I, I went to Washington University, which is probably one of the most expensive schools in the nation. Yeah. Um, and I was able to get a good scholarship to go there and I graduated in three and a half years. I worked at Bradley and Bradley um, Architects the summer or the winter, no, the summer before I graduated. And I found out I was graduating early and I called them up and I said, hey, can I come back? And they were like, sure. So I just kind of slid right in. Okay. Um, And I didn't have to put together a portfolio, thank God. Sure. I didn't have to um, do a lot of interviews. And I remember that May when other people of my class would come through from Notre Dame or from U of I or wherever. I already had the job. Right. Okay. Okay. So um, I've always been a planner, I suppose, and tried to set things up for myself um, and um, 
try and take success as much as I can. Sure. So I was like super, super active. I've always been super, super active. Yeah, tell us about, well, you guys, <laughs> you, well, we'll tell first. first That's people, fine, go wherever you want. Sure, yeah, for, first, I'm just curious about how did architect and obviously now it makes a little bit more sense why why you said Italian because of being Sicilian but okay. but what the architect part what 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 drew you to architecture what, oh, okay so this is kind of funny um I wanted to I stumbled upon it I okay. was deciding between um, environmental engineering because I wanted to study water quality or soil quality okay um or I was deciding between that or something to do with art and math, which I was really good at. Okay. So, <clears throat> excuse me. <clears throat> um, I uh, exceeded in math in high school. Um, I was always at the top of my class. I went to Boylan, but I had gone to um, Gifted for a couple of years, and I feel like that really gave me an edge over everybody because okay. I feel like we were a couple of years ahead of sure. the rest of the schools in yeah. middle school. Mm -hmm. So by the time I got to freshman year, I was kind of twiddling my thumbs. No offense <laughs> at the teachers or anything like that. Um, I was challenged a little bit, but not really fully challenged until junior or senior year. Okay. Um, so where was I going with that? So um, and then I was also in the art program, which was phenomenal at at Boylan mm -hmm. phenomenal Boylan arts program this is Mrs. Stockton who's now teaching at um, Jefferson High yeah. um, and um, Mrs. Um, Pelly um, who's now retired uh, they were both my teachers and I still don't know how they were able to um, pull out of me what I was able to produce sure. isn't that funny like sure. I didn't I didn't feel like I could do it myself sure. yeah. because I needed those um, guides to help me find yeah. it um, but well, I was I was not the best artist, but I was a really good artist. Yeah. Well, I think I think that element we've talked that many times on the show is that having someone believe in us yes. and see something that we may not have seen in ourselves right. or, or kind of minimized or poo pooed, and, and then they draw that out of us um, is a is a pretty cool space to be. Because I think it makes it okay. Yeah, you know and. Um, I think that we're all worried that we are kind of full of, I don't know if I could swear. Go ahead. Um, I, I think we're all worried that we're a little bit full of shit, yeah. you know, and full of ourselves. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And we don't want to be pompous, right. you know, and you don't want to be suffering from hubris or anything like right. that. So you don't want to look foolish, right? You don't, you don't right, want, right, you know, right. Yeah. So um, at this point now, I, I do accept compliments and I will say thank you. <laughs> but for a long time, it took a long time to get sure, there. Sure, sure. But I... I've always, always, always been very, very active. Gotcha. So I was in, I was working, I was um, in a very, very heavy um, arts program in high school, um, and I was uh, an officer in the Heat Club. I started volunteering when I was very young, okay. um, came back from WashU, immediately joined the River District, and I became a secretary of the board at age 21. Okay, okay. And since then, I've been active downtown, okay. serving on multiple boards and yeah doing good things because I always want to make my community a better place. That's my drive. Sure. That's what I strive for. So I don't know if architecture was ever a really good fit for me. Okay. But I, I, I do enjoy relationships. Mm -hmm. So architecture talks about, you know, spatial relationships and such and mm -hmm. the spaces that people use. So in that um, space, in that um, aspect of architecture, I feel comfortable. Mm -hmm. So like, one of the, my projects when I was working at Saavedra Gale House and I was the project manager for the Swedish American Regional Cancer Center. Mm -hmm. 
years before I developed cancer. And um, I was so proud of that space and um, so proud of our team. And I still am. And um, it's the most beautiful place that you would never want to be in. Mm-hmm. And But there's so much that has been um, taken into account for survivors and for trauma. Mm-hmm. Um, just the use of space, the use of color, um, music, uh, lighting, daylighting, access to natural light, access to good light. I'm glad you got have better lighting in here because yeah. <laughs> um, I do notice those things. Sure, so, yeah. um, And those translate into more healing spaces for the patients and then also the staff. Yeah. It puts everybody else at ease. Yeah. You know, one of the things that just as you were talking about – being, a, being someone who wants to make a difference in their community. Always, yeah. And being an activist, right? And then architecture, right? Well, they do kind of go together because if you, it's wanting to make your community better without a plan, without doing it in a systemic or breaking down in ways that are not just for the immediate, but for the long-term benefit. Exactly. That takes planning. It does. I mean, I'm a, I'm a project manager, mm-hmm. you know, and, um, uh, yeah, it takes long-term planning, and it takes uh, long-term planning in terms of budgeting, mm-hmm. in terms of space, in terms of trying to educate the client on um, what to spend because, you know, the architect's not actually spending their own money, right? Right, right, right. And yeah. the owner is very nervous about, getting snowed, I suppose, or taken advantage of. Sure. But um, a, a good architect will always try and find the best possible solution for your budget um, and not the easiest way necessarily. Right, right. <clears throat> now I know, and I, so, so you, you were 21 when you graduated from um, Washington, and that would have been... Maybe 20. 20, okay. <laughs> and what, <clears throat> what year was that? It was December of 99. Okay, so December. No, I was 21 then. Yeah. Okay, so December of 99. And so at that time period, the downtown area w- was. It, we were quiet. Yeah. It, was, it was pretty quiet. Yeah, that's Lots that's of a, bars. Yeah. Um, lots of shuttered spaces. Mm-hmm. Lots of. Um, but we did do great planning. Mm-hmm. You know, there was a lot of um, downtown task force, um, stakeholder involvement, the Gorman Hotel. I mean, I was walking on the roof of the Gorman Hotel. Um, before, you know, when it was the Amarok in 2004, mm-hmm. taking photos like um, Kyle Beavers, who's one of the founders of Friends of Zyok, has pictures of me, you know, um, in the in that time period, sure. walking along the, the skyline and just imagining what could be. Mm-hmm. So the seeds have been planted so very long ago. Right. But we've all been working towards we the downtown, I'd say, have been working towards. Th- what we have right now, which is a vibrant community that still depends on people. Yeah. Um, but we do have a vibrant community. Well, and it, and it has with some, with some, obviously some sh- strategic, uh, stakeholders, strategic businesses that are down there, th- then that gave permission for, for the next wave. And, exactly. And yeah. Who's, who was going to put themselves out there? Mm-hmm. Who was going to take the big risks? Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. It, and, and now it, it definitely has become something that uh, someone myself who's been in the Rockford area my entire life mm-hmm. and remember working at what what used to be called the Metro Center, working down there yeah. um, in the 80s and the early 90s and how much downtown has changed and having gone through the the 
the difficult times. That, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so I know that um, you, you, your husband's name is my husband is Eric Newbauer. Eric, and, and he's then... a bilingual third grade teacher at Hillman Elementary School. Okay, and um, he also is an avid skateboarder. Okay, and, and that is why. <laughs> Um, he um, finally agreed to start a business. Okay. And what's the name of your business? It is called Ground Floor Skateboards, mm-hmm. and we're located in downtown Rockford at 333 East State Street, okay. um, right next to Capri. Okay. And um, I wanted, the thing is that I really wanted to open a business. Okay. And um, the local skate shop had closed, and um, I saw an opportunity because people kept asking my husband, mm-hmm. when are you going to open the skate shop? Because he's a natural leader. Mm-hmm. Um, and, um, he said, I have a full-time job. I'm a teacher. I can't do that. Sure. And I thought, you know, what if, what if we did it together? Like, what if I could do it with you? Mm-hmm. What if I did all of the icky stuff, the math and the, not the math, but the, the books, yep. yeah, mm-hmm. the accounting and the finding the lease space and finding the lawyer and making sure all the deposits were correct and all of, you know, all of the things that are not fun in the business. You contact all the companies, figure out what you want to sell in the store, like this store is him. Yeah. He's 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 made so many connections over the past 30 plus years that he's been skateboarding that it was um it was logical and it was um not very difficult for him to um contact dozens and dozens and dozens of companies and then have dozens of companies contact us sure. to be carried in our store yeah. because he's the real deal yeah i was just gonna say he's an actual he's an actual skater actual skater yeah. so then he knows yes and there's a level of integrity yes. that, that comes when an actual skater owns a store not someone and nothing against it but someone who's or just, somebody like me I, yeah. I mean i only know skateboarding through osmosis yep yep yeah. So yeah, and I, would, and I would be the same way. I don't. I don't know that. Uh, I don't really know the culture, and um, and I, I, I know of the culture only from observation and limited interaction. Right. And and I don't know what's good and what's not good and what's you know all those things. So. But there's and there's so much history, so much history. Um, you know, this person used to ride for this company and that person started this company and this company died and then um, resurrected as that, as that company and. He knows all the history. Sure. So, yeah. So with with that, um, uh, with Ground Floor, Ground yeah. Floor has been in existence for how long? So we um, just celebrated four years okay. this month. Okay. Um, and, uh, yeah, um, we finally um, hired employees okay. <laughs> last year, and we're um, hiring a few more as my health kind of declines. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And... Um, we're still having fun. Sure, I know that if I remember uh, watching the, the the documentary "Minding oh, the Gap," yeah. uh, and I believe there was some <laughs> uh, some footage that was done at, yep. at your at our store, at mm-hmm. your store, which was which was great. You know? Yeah, well, because I mean, in reality, uh, all those skaters that were looking up to my husband, Bing's one of them. Yeah, you know, my he he would get maybe a little upset at me saying this because he doesn't like to, you know be praised or whatever, but he is, you know, he's a mentor to Bing. Mm -hmm. And um, oftentimes when Bing would come home for holidays, he would go and see his mom and then he'd come and visit Eric, Mm. you know, um, or pick up a skateboard or or whatever, because he always wanted to support the shop, Mm -hmm. the local shop, because that's his hometown local shop. And um, yeah, they've got a great relationship. Nice. Well, and I think, you know, what, what I've heard, and I don't know, but 
you know, very similar to individuals that are in the tattoo industry. And there'll be individuals that'll come and while, while an artist is working, there'll be people who will come down and talk to the artist and they just kind of hang out at at the studios or hang out at the shops. And I, I imagine that's pretty much the same way. Well, uh, unfortunately, the space that we have doesn't really allow for that. Oh, okay. So we've only got a really tiny footprint. Oh, okay. So there's not, there's a little bit of hanging out, but it's a little difficult because we've only got 500 square feet. Oh, okay. Okay. So there's some hanging out, but um, it's not, it's not like a large skate shop with video games and like people hanging out all over the place. Sure. Okay. It would be more um, core skaters, um, good friends, um, hanging out. Yeah. Well, and I think, you know, to be honest with you, that's kind of what I've, so I've only been in your store a couple times. Okay. And every time I was there, it just happened to be, there were random times when I was there. Okay. That I saw people who didn't look like they were patrons. They, okay. At, at the, they didn't look like they were buying anything. They okay. Looked like just, they were, were just, they hanging out in the back yeah. or whatever? But, yeah. But yeah. not necessarily, you know, like they were there to hang out with the people that were working yeah. there. Not necessarily to socially gather. Well, and then, you know, the thing is too, that people would meet at the skate shop and then you go skate. Yeah. Go street skate. So yeah. it's a it's a point in in you know it's a placeholder. Yeah. It's a place to meet. Yeah. It's a meetup spot. Yeah. Um, before you go on. So well, very cool that he that he, you guys uh, that he, he it's very cool person. that he said yes. Yes, exactly, <laughs> exactly. Because I couldn't do it without him yeah, at all. Yeah, yeah. And I think that's what I'm trying to say. Yeah, that, yeah, yeah. No, that, be that blunt. He, it's fine. Yeah, that he was he was willing to say yes. Yeah. So and I mean, this all came about because. Um, well, the recession hit Rockford, mm-hmm. and it hit people, you know, clients that wanted to spend money on their buildings and didn't have the money anymore. Mm-hmm. So that affects the construction companies. Yeah. And the construction companies often will tell clients, well, you don't need an architect for this. Mm-hmm. I can help you with that. Mm-hmm. You know, and they can, but that might they might not always make the best decisions. Sure. Um, but oftentimes, architects would get cut out of the picture. So we were facing lots of layoffs. We as architects in Rockford, lots of layoffs, lots of downtime, lots of cut pay. Mm-hmm. Um, and I then in the meantime, I, I know that the partners that I was working with, um, Saavedra Gelhausen, I know that if it had been other times, I think that they would have groomed me to be the partner that they had told me that they wanted me to be. Mm-hmm. But there was, there was not enough business. There was not enough money at the moment. And, um, I thought I don't want to be stagnant anymore. Right. I want to challenge myself in a different way. And if I am having, facing cut pay, then I want to do something on my own. Sure. So let's start this business. There you go. And we did 2015. I contacted a lawyer, um, to incorporate in um, October of 2015, by December, we found a location. Um, Karen Elier um, at Minglewood, she said, hey, RU is a wonderful landlord. You should talk to them. Maybe consider this underground spot. You know, it's like a, um, it's a lower level spot with windows that are just above the sidewalk. Mm. So it's kind of out of the way and sure. um, a little bit hidden, mm-hmm. um, which is nice because we don't get random people walking through. Right. Um, and then we opened in March of 2016. It was boom, boom, boom. Okay. Because okay. when I set my mind to something, sure, then I can usually pull it off. Yeah. Well, and 
again, it goes back to the planning, which you have, yes. to, have to do as an architect. Yes. And I know for me, when I opened up KP, it went from an idea to creating a business plan, which I had no idea what I was doing. Yeah. But there were certain... I still don't know business yeah. plans. I'm not <laughs> so, going to lie. <laughs> but there were certain milestones that were already, that were accomplished so that when the emotional part wore off, it was too late. I had... Or the passion? Yeah. The emotional yeah, part. You know, that... that um, that, that that when that wears off now the plans far enough into play that it's it's too hard to back out right right and if i would have just relied on emotion i may never never started it yeah know? no you can't do that that's it's, terrifying well it it's it's terrifying i think i think that for some people i think they they start off just on that emotion okay and then one recognize that they're far enough out and they don't have a plan then it gets terrifying oh okay you know and um and for me i had such a strong fear of failing okay. at doing something i didn't know what i was doing that that's why i put a plan in place okay. you know that that actually helped calm me that okay i just have to do these steps and follow the plan and so my husband's very much a realist you okay. know and we're very I think we both are like we understand reality and 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 consequences and um, things aren't always rosy, mm-hmm. you know, and kind of plan that way, um, plan for plan for problems in the future as well. Sure. So um, I feel like because of that and because of the fact that he's a full time teacher, mm-hmm. the business takes care of itself and we don't depend on the business. Right. So if we don't have to depend on the business for our livelihood, then there's so much pressure that's taken off. Yeah. And you can and you can then sometimes act boldly about things. And that, have fun still. Yeah. Because that was the thing. Eric was really nervous that if we started this business, it wouldn't be fun for skating wouldn't be fun anymore. Mm-hmm. So um, I think he still has that joy. Yeah. There was something I was re- going over some things uh, over the weekend, knowing that we were going to talk today, and I had forgot that um, a little over a year ago, about 14, 15 months ago, a little bit longer than that, you had contacted me to be involved with the Warp Project. Oh, and, okay, yeah, that yeah. was the um, Screw City Uprising. Yes. Yes. Yeah. And uh, and had a huge event in January. Yeah. And so that came about because uh, Will Crandall came to me and he was like, hey, I have this idea, can you help me? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and Will has been on the show. Yeah, and he's and he's told a story here. Yeah. Um. And now I think I think he's still at Rosecrans. Um, no, he's working for Swedish American now. Oh yes, yes, yes. Yeah, he did mention that he started at Rosecrans and then went yeah, to Swedes. Yeah, yeah. He's helping um helping to deal with um, addictions in the emergency room. Okay. Okay. Well, good yeah. for him. That, yeah. I could see that would be a good fit. For yeah. Him. Yeah. And. And so that event was, um, as Will had spent some time, you know, talking with me about yeah. what he wanted to do and what he envisioned. Now, of course, he had envisions of wanting to do even more than just that single event. Yeah, it would be nice to have a permanent skate park. Yes, and but uh, that requires money. And and yeah, and and major commitment investment on on people's parts. Yeah, and, yeah, and so mostly um, money. Yeah, <laughs> that's why we yeah. haven't done it yet. Yeah, and so. Um, but that event was what appeared to be a success. I know we it was were, a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was with um, Diane and my family were there, and and we did some did a, I think I talked for a little bit there, but we had some other. But it was a, it was a it was a very uh, cool event having the combination of artists as well as the uh, musicians as well as um, 
skaters to be there. So yeah, yeah, yeah it, it was, was great. It, it was, was great it was a lot of fun. Just and I and if I remember the core reason was not only to have a gathering place that was um, uh, so you know sober, but but also to raise awareness about um, uh, mental health, uh, raise awareness about substance abuse. Um, and also lack of indoor skate parks in Rockford. Yes. Because <laughs> yes. it was a pop-up skate park. Yeah, yeah. That everybody loved, and then yeah. I had to go away. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And it was pretty pretty wild how everyone had come together that for that event. Yeah, yeah, so. yeah, yeah. So I know that you and Eric have children. We have two boys. Two, and how old are they? So um, Sammy is 11, and Johnny is 9. Okay, and where do they go to school? So Sam's at Lincoln Middle School, um, which I'm so excited about because the United Way has put a lot of focus on the 6th graders at Lincoln Middle School, and he just happens to be in that class. I'm sure, yeah. So he's really blossoming um, nice. with his um, social life and with his teachers and stuff. The academics, uh, he's having a little problem with, just okay. in terms of managing his time and um, managing things because now that he's in middle school, he doesn't have a teacher remind him to do his homework Mm. or to turn his his work. Mm. So he ran into a little problem with that, but we're working through it. Um, And then um, our Johnny, he's at uh, Johnson Elementary School. And um, the best way to describe him is effervescent, I'd say. Sammy's quite sensitive. Um, Johnny is jolly. Okay. Um, and uh, they're both very, very sweet boys. Okay. Yeah. Oh, good. So, what are they? What are they into? What do they like to do? What do they enjoy doing? Um, well, they love Legos. Okay. Um, they still they as I left this morning, they were playing with Legos, and it was a combination of Legos and like Matchbox cars. Oh, sure. So they're pretty creative. We, I, we, really tried to limit screens, um, mm-hmm. just in terms of iPads and video games and so forth for them for as long as possible. Sure, yeah. Um, they still watch TV like PBS when they were little. I'm yeah. not going to lie. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I wasn't a perfect mom or mm-hmm. anything like that. Not that a perfect mom doesn't allow their children to watch TV, but um, they're really creative. Yeah. So um, when the video games get taken away, there's almost never a time that I can't ever remember a time that Sam's ever come to me and said, I'm bored. Mm-hmm. And John, he won't ever say it, but um, usually with a little nudging, he'll find something to do. Mm-hmm. So um, they um, they and their father, they do taekwondo. Okay. They're pursuing their black belts. Mm, and they've nice. been doing that for a little over four years. We started that just before the business, too. Okay. And um, I used to go to the dojo when I was healthy. Um, I went to the Ultimate Body Shaping Challenge class. And you have to say it that way because it's more cool. Yeah. <laughs> um, but it was a high-intensity workout for a half hour twice a week okay. with the um, taekwondo instructor. Um, so that was pretty awesome. And then um, they love to um, play outside and play zombie tag or whatever that is and um, bike and play baseball and skateboard and, 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 and. They're yeah. neighborhood kids who... We chose our home based on the neighborhood, based on the home. It was a beautiful home. Um, but we're very happy that the children all play together outside. Oh, nice. It's so important yeah, yeah. to have that free play. Yeah. Um, and we're um, right across the street is a church parking lot that has a playground. Okay. And that's the meetup spot. Okay. Which is perfect for sure. little boys yeah, and, yeah. and girls to, like, hang out and get a little bit away from their parents, you know, but... I still know where they are, and Mm -hmm. um, they can have a little bit of autonomy um, to do whatever it is that kids do without 
me being a helicopter packed um, parent. Yeah. Well, and that I think that is because uh, I grew up until fourth grade in in the Rockford area. Okay. So the there was a natural. Um, boundaries in which I had to stay within. Yes. You know, the the block or the exactly. whatever it may have been. Yeah. And, you know, and I remember being able to do that. And then when I moved out to McChesney, we moved into a new subdivision and it wasn't the same uh, as far as neighborhood kids. And so... Did they not play outside? Um, actually, in my case, they pl- kids who were younger than me played outside and then there was boys that were much older than me. I just happened to fall in that oh. middle. And so it was then I spent probably the next three or four years, three years for sure, just a lot of alone time exploring because it was an undeveloped subdivision. Oh, so, so was there like a creek and a... There was a creek that came from Rock So Cut. much fun. So I could follow the you know the creek all the way yeah. um, up to, up to through the horse pastures all the way back up to Rock Cut. So the neighborhood was much bigger then because yeah. <laughs> there wasn't the same boundaries. Okay. But it was, um, it was different where you you know you wouldn't necessarily ever think you could just explore and I grew up kind of in that way we um, I grew up in a subdivision on the far north northwest side Um, and so across the street was cornfields and then beyond that um, was a rock quarry and a um, trees uh, forest and then um, there was a lake and the pond and um, and 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 It, so it's out by Lakewood Hills, Tullock's Woods, oh, sure. that area. Yeah, yeah. My subdivision didn't have a name. It was Shoshone mm-hmm. Trail. Um, it was, I think it was like the last subdivision that they built, but they didn't really extend it. Sure. And they didn't give us a pretty sign. Yeah. And that's fine. <laughs> um, everybody else got a sign. Um, but it was so much fun to ride our bikes and um, a mile or whatever. Um, and I remember my brother and sister were bold enough to go on, go on Kilburn and go up to the dairy fair, but I was never that bold yeah. and I was never that strong either I was kind of a sickly child mm. um, I developed asthma and allergies um, allergy induced asthma at a very young age I had pneumonia really bad when I was eight oh, okay and so and my parents smoked mm. um, okay. and I didn't get away from that until I was like 18 uh, okay. so I was I would take a nebulizer often and when I would have days that I couldn't breathe, then I would have to stay at home. Mm. So um, I read a lot and um, probably doodled a little bit and um, researched a lot in encyclopedias. I was, I'm a nerd. I mean, I would read the encyclopedia. Yeah, I, I, I'm with you. 1986 I, World Book Encyclopedia. Yeah. Like it was, it's a great series. Yeah, <laughs> I did this. I I loved history, so I I would. When you get were the, bored and by oh, yourself. Oh yeah. Yeah, I, yeah. Well, these were my favorite books. They were National Geographic. Mm-hmm. Um, lifetime books and they were all these different history and I was very much into Native Americans and yeah uh, so I was and that would help Indians. you in your explorations of the creek right absolutely yeah, yeah. And, and I thought I was so that's why <laughs> there was all these storylines in, um, in my imagination as I went exploring so, yeah yeah so, so you were talking a little bit about the being um, having sicknesses growing up and yeah. I know um, you're going through that now and going through yeah. going through that again but obviously a little bit different um, yeah you were diagnosed with cancer so I, I was diagnosed uh, with triple negative um, breast cancer in July of 2017 okay triple negative means that it is the absence of the cancer um, is not fed on certain 
um, things. Um, and so it, it's not attracted to estrogen. It's not attracted to progesterone. And it's not attracted to HER2. And these are um, qualities in other breast cancers. I'd, I think that only 15% of breast cancers are triple negative. I don't remember my statistics very well. Um, but um, most breast cancers respond to some kind of a treatment mm -hmm. because you can suppress the estrogen or you can suppress the oh, sure. HER2 or you can suppress the progesterone. You can suppress whatever's feeding the cancer, but triple negative don't care. Mm, okay. So one of my doctors had described it in a very interesting way, I thought. He said, you know, if you think about a cell and you think about a castle and a moat, okay, so there's the moat around the castle and there are three gates. One is progesterone, one's estrogen, and one is um, HER2. So there's no way to get in there mm -hmm. because you don't have the key to the gate. Mm -hmm. okay. okay. So instead what they do is they blast you with as much chemo as possible. Mm. Which has all the side effects. Yeah, so I lost my hair. Mm -hmm. I lost my energy. Mm -hmm. um, I lost my eyebrows. I lost my eyelashes. Mm -hmm. um, I, had, I endured five months of very heavy chemo okay. um, with the support of so many. Yeah, yeah. Because I've always been active, um, and um, I knew it would be shocking. Mm -hmm. um, so I reached out to people ahead of time and brought them through the process with me. Okay. Because I didn't have a guidebook. Mm-hmm. Sure. Well, well. And I didn't really have a peer um, until I discovered them later. Um, mm -hmm. But I didn't really... I wanted other people to know what it's like to have cancer. I wanted other people to know what it's like to be the person next to the person with cancer. Okay. Because even before I was diagnosed, my best friend in college was diagnosed with metastatic breast cancer two years prior. Okay. And she died last October. Mm, okay. She's the only friend I've actually lost just in terms of friendship because we both dealt with our cancer in different ways. She was very private. Mm. And I live out loud. Okay. So I made a joke that offended her, and she could never forgive me. Mm. Okay. But there's only one friend. Yeah. You know, everybody else supported me. Yeah. When you talked about wanting people to know what it was like to have cancer and to live with cancer. Yeah. What What's it like? What's it like? <laughs> okay, so... Um, First a diagnosis, and then living with it. So, which part? You tell me. Right, I mean today or then? You said first the diagnosis. So first the diagnosis, it was go time. Mm -hmm. Like I was in go mode. Okay. Let's get this out of me. Okay. You know, we're going to beat this. I'm very young and healthy. I was in the best shape of my damn life. Okay. You know, I was working out at the dojo twice a week. I was doing push-ups and burpees. I was strong. I was fit. Um, my, my husband and I um, are vegetarians. We're plant-based diets. Um, or we eat plant-based diets because it feels good. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. It feels better. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, we look at food as fuel and we look at energy as, or exercises as um, an extension of, of helping our bodies and so forth. All of it is really, um, all of it comes back to just health. Mm -hmm. yeah. Every decision that we make in terms of sleeping and eating and exercise, sure. you know, okay. is it good for my health or not? And so that was the that was where I was when okay. I first was diagnosed, and I thought, well, hell, if anybody can do this, I can. Mm -hmm. And I remember my mother being devastated, and her saying, "I wish I could do this instead of you." 
And I thought, and I told her, because I'm not very good at filtering, um, <laughs> I said to her, you can't do this. Mm-hmm. I'm uniquely able to handle this, maybe, and you would not be able to handle this. I mean, right. just be blunt about it. Yeah. She, it's, it's difficult. It's hard. Yeah. My body, I mean, I'm in pain constantly. Mm-hmm. And this, ha- this is your journey. Right? This the, is my journey, not hers. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. And we understand when people say that because it's 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 the other side, right, is watching. I know when I had my accident a few years ago, I was grateful that it was me, not my son, because he was with me when I had the accident out in Colorado. I wouldn't have wanted I wouldn't have wanted to be me if it was him that had the accident. Yeah, I would have much rather have be me who yeah. had the accident. And um, because and and maybe there's a selfishness about that. I don't know, or maybe it's just you're trying to protect them. Uh, No, I'm thinking I was protecting myself. I would I would not have like wanted to feel powerless and not be able to help. Oh, yeah, I can't even imagine. Oh, yeah, I I I can't imagine. And I I guess I didn't fully understand that. I suppose until I became metastatic. Uh, Metastatic breast cancer means that the cancer spread to distant parts of my body. Okay. And um, it's in my bones, it's in my liver, um, it's in my adrenal gland, um, it's um, on my skin, it's in my scalp. Um, it will kill me. Mm-hmm. With, with your husband. Yeah. Obviously one on your support team. Yeah. Um, how's his response been? Well, I would defer to him. I would never want to speak for him. But um, he has um, done everything he could to support me. Mm -hmm. Um, Often it comes down to, um, you know, he he always looks at healthy foods um, to prepare. As I go through different drug treatments, sometimes like the previous drug treatment that I was on acted very strangely on food. So he changed our diet Mm -hmm. to try and help me. Um, choose more high fat, um, low carb options. Um, he would pick up the slack and what I can't do. Mm-hmm. Um, he, um, takes care of our dogs and our kids and the house and the business. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, he does so much. Yeah. What, um, what things... What things have you? I know this is this is a difficult, not a difficult question, but it's maybe a deeper question. So feel free to kind of just play around with it. What things have you learned about you and about life that you wouldn't have learned if you wouldn't have had cancer? Okay, so I mentioned before about me being crazy busy. Mm-hmm. I can't be busy anymore. Okay, I'm forced to sit down. I'm forced to lay down. I'm forced to be still. Mm-hmm. I'm forced to think. Mm-hmm. Um. When I was diagnosed with cancer, I was serving on six boards. Mm. And I was working two jobs. So I was wor- still working um, as an architect at Savedra Gelhausen. I was running classroom building one um, at Rock Valley College, which I'm very proud of. Um, that project, that was my only project because I had gone to half days. Um, and um, we planned the Women's March in eight days. In eight days, we planned the Women's March, Rockford. And... Um, we, uh, so me and a couple of uh, downtown business owners, women, 
um, business owners um, planned the event in eight days. My friend Kate Worth called me up and she said, do you think we can do this? And I said, let me make a few phone calls. And we thought 50 people would show up and 1,200 did. Um, and we've really, I haven't really been able to let go of that baby yet, that Women's March Rockford, because um, it was built to empower women. It was built to be a resource to highlight all of the different um, ways that we can support each other and do social justice. And it's really evolved. So I can't quite let that go, even though I maybe should. Um, I was working um, as an alum advisor at WashU. Um, I serve on the Zoning Board of Appeals and the Liquor Tobacco Advisory Code. I was appointed to that um, 12 years ago. And um, Trinity Daycare Board, Jeremiah Development, I was the president. Um, <laughs> did a lot. Okay, so. Some of those had to start going. Yeah, so, um, yeah, so I, I had to quit. I quit many of the boards. There's still a few that I still serve on, although I probably should cut back even more. Um but I never found the time to ever reflect. Yeah. I was always busy. Yeah. And I remember my husband telling me, being busy doesn't mean that you're being productive or, or something to that end. You know, Just because you're busy doesn't mean that you're... I was missing so much. Yeah. And I, I think that he was trying to help me and trying to point it out to me. But there's really the only way that you can figure that out is for yourself. Right. So when I was forced to lie on my back in, because I was exhausted mm -hmm. or in pain then I could finally reflect on what I have been doing and, and the connections that I have made and the things that we are doing um, and how they affect each other. Mm -hmm. And I was able to see many patterns in my life emerge. Um, I've been an activist my entire damn life. Mm -hmm. And um, I've been a social person my entire life. And... I really do enjoy connecting people mm -hmm. and connecting ideas. And the universe just keeps circling back to me, I feel like, in terms of different ways to, I don't even know where I'm going with this, but I never realized my impact. Mm -hmm. I didn't know what I, I didn't know what I could do. I didn't know my power. I didn't know my effects. I didn't know. I, I didn't. I, I realized that a lot of people liked me. Sure. And there was there was a lot of love and support coming my way. But I didn't know that it was certain qualities about me that were unique mm -hmm. and beautiful and wonderful. And that others were celebrating. I, I didn't know. Because I, I was too busy I, I doing. Was, I think that's the downside of being... Um, busy or yeah. relying on work, not not work like employment, but working. Yeah, right. That we think that it has to do with our work. We think it has to do with our performance mm -hmm. and performing, not on the light, not on 
or the unicorn power. Yeah, or yes, the unicorn. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what right. I never I, I couldn't identify it, so I just called it unicorn power. Right, right. And yeah. I refer to that unicorn power. I refer to it as, as, the, light. as the light that's yeah. coming out. Right? Yeah, and it's the same thing. Yeah. yeah, that people are attracted to. Yeah, and you don't even. I can't explain it. Yeah, and if you don't still yourself and slow down, you then default and think it has to do with performance and working and doing and being busy. And then you don't... And so you just keep doing more of it. Yeah. And you don't know what to say no to. No. You don't know what to say no to. So... Until your body tells you you can't. Right. And so so that's one of the gifts. Yeah. It's it's definitely a gift for... um, Of having cancer. Yeah. And so it's been um, a depth of those relationships, a a depth of seeing who's in the mirror. Mm -hmm. It was interesting, even on the way here today, right? I believed you were coming at a certain time. You believed you were late. <laughs> so I wasn't, I was just staying at the door, just being courteous and not because I was pacing because you were late the whole time. In my mind, you were fine. I know. And I was just, okay, I'm 15 minutes late again. Yeah. And, and Story for me, of my life. And for me, you were right on time, Yeah, you know, because I had it in my mind when yeah. you were going to be here at a given a certain time period. And I think, I wonder how many times in our life that, that shift in perception, it, it can be so all consuming. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So. Because it brings ne- negativity instead of positivity. Yeah. Yeah. So with that idea that, that, um, there's one element that happens, I think, a lot of times with cancer is that we're going to fight this and we're going to take care of it and we're going to... I don't use know, the word fight anymore. But yeah, one time you did. I did. And and so you don't use the fight. Tell me why. why? Because there's winners and losers. Uh, and I'm not a loser. Okay. That's true. You're not. I'm not a loser. That's true. So I don't want people to say that I lost my fight with mm-hmm. cancer. Yeah. I want them to say that... Cancer stole my life. Mm. Okay. Because it did. It will. Mm. That part, right, that element of physically it will take your life. Yeah. Right? Because of the nature of it. Yeah. Oh. Go ahead. Go ahead. But... uh, but with all the stories you've already told us, but there's going to be a, there's a lot more that Alicia's leaving. Yeah, and, and I, living, I think and living through. And I think that I am happy with my present, and I live in my present. And it's funny because um, I was hanging out with my girlfriends, and we did tarot cards, and um, excuse me, um, one of the cards that I pulled for present was the fool which means that you know I'm exactly where I need to be right now Mm -hmm. and I'm content with my life at this moment Mm -hmm. in terms of the the relationships that I've made and I I am proud of what I've done and I am happy with the unicorn power that I have Mm -hmm. and the way that I've touched other lives and inspiring people and I've come to this realization you know only within the last year or two Mm -hmm. maybe the last six months maybe the last few months Mm -hmm. and um it will be stolen from me now Mm -hmm. i'm finally at that point (sighs) that my husband was encouraging me to be at Mm -hmm. 
and then it'll get stolen from me probably at some point this year because my cancer is very aggressive and it's not responding to treatment. There's other treatments I could try, but how much do I want to endure? Because mm -hmm. I don't think I can lose my hair again. Mm -hmm. Well, you've, you've now experienced the gift of stillness and the gift of yeah. and the quality of that. And so that means it's, it's, it's embracing the depths of those relationships, right? Yeah. And the depths of those experiences like you had over the weekend. You know, it's interesting. When I can, because now there's not enough time. Hold that thought. Okay. We're going to come back. We're going to come back to that in a second. Okay. Because I want to talk about the archetype of the fool. Okay. Yeah. Please. So the archetype of the fool. Well, actually, the role of the fool. Right. Um, back during you know European days when a gesture would be there, the the court gesture, the fool, would be there for a reason to remind the king and the queen of their humanity. Mm -hmm. In other words, not to take themselves too serious. That all this pomp and circumstance is you have to be able to laugh at yourself. Yeah. That, it, it, that in the Native American, the, the fool would be the contrary. That, that it's the opposite of. And they were considered holy. And they were considered sacred beings that would be instrumental to, to the, the tribe, to, to the group. Because that they reminded us of the things that we think to take serious, mm -hmm. we are being foolish. Right. Because it takes us away from the things. That are important. Mm -hmm. yeah. And sacred. And sacred. The sacred spaces are this space. Okay. The sacred space are watching your boys play Legos with their matchbox cars. Um, those are the sacred spaces. Um, that some of the silliness that we get busy doing is foolish. Yeah. In a life-taking way. If we can be foolish in, in a in a healthy way, in a life-giving way, is that in the midst of everything, um, I can be so, present. And I can still find joy. Yes. Even though I'm in pain. Yeah. So we have this thing going on in our community, nationally, internationally, right yeah. now, yeah. with the coronavirus, and, yeah. and, and it is forcing the communities to be disrupted. School closings, um, Entertainment and sports activities canceled. Uh, canceled uh, in in uh, bars and restaurants can't dine in right now. Um, it's it's being disruptive. Right. But in that disruption, you're giving us a guide um, that maybe in the stillness, in the simplicity of sitting down and playing matchbox cars, or just living, or just staring at the sun, or listening to the birds, or. Going, if we're not quarantined to our homes, we're encouraged not to go out in public. Right. So that means we can go out for walks. Yeah. That means we can still go out to the parks, and we just don't, you know, need to still be keeping space. Social distance. Social yeah. distance, but that doesn't mean that we can't be with the trees. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, so when when you think of, so one of the gifts that you've gotten from cancer is is the idea of stillness, being in the moment, um, recognizing that we all have just this moment. Mm -hmm. It's just that right now you um, may not, 
you may have the opportunity not to take it for granted like some of us would. Exactly. And, I finally, yeah. And maybe that's what's happening from a community standpoint, too. Yeah, I hope so. You know, is that the things that we've taken for granted, our neighbors, our neighbors that are across our the state or country or whatever, that we have a social responsibility, mm-hmm. right, uh, of doing what we can to um, protect our ourselves, protect our community, right? Um, for, for you, what... What other gifts would you say that have come from the cancer? What other or go, gifts? Or going, not not the cancer itself, but going through what you've gone through that you wouldn't have realized if you wouldn't have gone through it. If what what may be other lessons that you have having going through this experience right now um, of of having cancer, mm-hmm. and and then also then reflecting on just all the different things that you've been involved in life and the things that you know, five years ago that were so important, right? Um, and now there you can maybe see with a different level of clarity. Yeah. So I guess a really difficult question, but I feel like it comes down to love and action, you mm-hmm. know? Um, the, the community has responded to me in love and often asks for updates. Yeah. Um, not officially, but I have been tracking my progress through Facebook and Instagram. And when I don't post something, I'll start to get lots of messages and asking how I'm doing and so forth. Um, So it's responding to those calls for love. Mm -hmm. And it's also, I've always, I've been doing community work. I've been trying to make my community a better place because that's love and action. And it's related. Yeah. And I didn't realize, I think that it was related, that, mm-hmm. you know, in the end, all there is really is love. Mm-hmm. And um, in, the, in the end, what's important in life are the relationships that you make. Yeah. That's what's really important. Yeah. So if we can enhance our lives by connecting people um, through that, that act in way, different ways towards social justice, and if we can act in ways that... Um, connect people to a better community Mm -hmm. and continuously improve that's the key Mm -hmm. it's love in action yeah yeah i think um in in that order right yeah you know i think in the midst of fear regardless if it's the fear of I don't know what I'm going to do when you are a senior in high school or a senior in college in this transition or a fear of what's going to happen because I get a diagnosis of fill in the blank yeah, or a fear of, you know, someone has told me I can't do something that I normally Yeah, And I I guess that's taking a step back and realizing what your strengths really are, what your gifts really are and connecting to the people that love you. Yeah. And, and then, and then going to that source of love, right? That, that, that a lot of this stuff, other things may not matter if, because love is infinite Mm -hmm. love. And that's what I was referring to earlier is in this idea that this love is infinite. It's not just limited to this dimension. It's not just limited, limited to this time. Right. And, um, and so, but at the same time, there's times when we have to take action because things need to be corrected. Things need to be done differently. So it is, I think, I think that's huge. This idea of um, 
love and action or love and stillness <laughs> so that we know what action to take. Right? Oh, I see what you're saying. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know. I still think it's a choice. So it's always an action. Mm-hmm. Oh, to choose stillness is an action, right? Yeah. Yeah, 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 very much so. And then maybe there then we'll be able to um, know what to say yes to, what to say no to. Or maybe I'm still evolving. Oh, you're still evolving. <laughs> <laughs> you're still evolving. Yeah, yeah. It, it was by no accident that I think uh, at this time period, right, that you, the the card that got flipped uh, for you was was that. And, yeah. and that was not, I don't see it as a negative thing. No, it's a beautiful thing. Yeah. It's the contrary. Yeah. Um, it's to, um, what's that song by... Uh, um, that's a country singer, Tim McGraw. Okay. <laughs> oh, um, something, something before I die, or yeah, something like live, live like, like you were dying. Yeah, live like you're dying. Yeah. If if yeah. if we actually not from a suicidal standpoint, but from an embracing life standpoint, yeah, um, we might be able to discern what's important. Yes. And, well, and, very much so. Yeah. So, Alicia, thank you very much for being on the show. Thank you. And um, and as, as time evolves, if there is something that you you want to come back on and and, and talk again, um, we could definitely do that. Okay. And um, because your story is exactly the story that our audience wants to hear about, not only transforming our community, but transforming ourselves as we have obstacles in our in our path what are we learning from it not minimizing the difficulty and the struggle of it right what are we learning yeah. but what are we learning how are we growing how are we transforming from it how are we reacting yeah, yeah so well, thank, thank you. you thank you um you had an opportunity to um, listen to Alicia Neubauer um, talk about her journey and talk about her story and know knowing who she is uh, not just a woman of strength and of, uh, of uh, someone who wants to make a difference in our community, but someone who, who's, through some of her obstacles, recognized that love and action um, are some of our greatest gifts and greatest choices. Look forward to being with you next week. Okay. Thank you.